welcome back to our study in the book of Proverbs. And today we are in chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 15. So open up your Bibles. It's very important to read. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held fast with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. All right, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day and for this opportunity to teach your word. Father, we are all so weak of mind and spirit. and Our intelligence, our wisdom is so limited. I pray, dear God, that you would help us to understand and expound this text in a way that's appropriate. Father, I pray for the young people and the adults that may listen to this video. First of all, Lord, that they would grow in Christ or that they would know Christ and then grow in him, that they would press on to know the Lord, that they would understand your will, understand your character. Lord, understand your wisdom and that they would walk in it. Lord, we live in a world that is increasingly dark. So please help these young people, Lord. They're, they're a generation that's being raised in an extraordinarily evil time. So give them extraordinary strength, extraordinary piety, and most importantly, extraordinary faith in the person and work of your son. Now help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, all of chapter 5 is, is about a very grievous sin, the sin of adultery. When someone, a man or a woman, from outside of a marriage or outside of a family comes in and breaks up that marriage, breaks up that family. And um, why is this important? Well, first of all, because we live in an age where um, marriage is no longer respected. In fact... Um, many of the things that God established from the very creation of the world, like man and woman and marriage, it, it's all being in some ways dismantled or broken apart brick by brick. But what you need to understand is that the word of God and the truth of the word of God is immutable. That means um, it does not change. And the best uh, life is achieved by knowing God, by knowing his salvation, and going into the scriptures and building your life based upon the truths that are found there, especially with regard to marriage, and family, and children. Now, having said that, 
we're, we've taken this passage and not just applied it to uh, the marriage and family and the sin of adultery, but in some ways the adulterer and the adulteress represent any kind of temptation and any kind of battle with sin. And so we can take this passage and we can draw general principles from it in order to help you, even those of you who are young and not married. Now, before we go to our text, I want to say one other thing. Um, if you're even nine years old, you need to think in some ways about marriage. Now, why? Well, because marriage is a very important part of what God has ordained for our benefit and for our protection. And as a young man or a young woman, um, you don't need to necessarily lay aside childhood. Childhood is a good thing. And uh, when you get into your teenage years, that's a that's a wonderful thing. And it only comes around one time. At the same time, you need to think about growing. You need to think about maturing. You know, I, I told my uh, my children, I said almost from the very beginning that you need to pray for your I tell my boys, you need to pray for your wife. And they would say, well, dad, you know, I'm only eight years old. And I said, well, but she's probably alive. She's probably somewhere on this planet and she needs prayer. Pray for her conversion. Uh, pray that she would grow in godliness. Pray that God would protect her from evil and the evil men and, and the dangers of sin. You see, it's the same way for you young ladies. You may be, who knows, 15 years away from marriage, but you can pray for your future husband because he's most likely alive on this planet. He's maybe a little boy or a teenager, and there's all sorts of dangers around him. So, you, so pray for him. You, you don't have to wait to marriage um, in order to pray for the person with whom you're going to marry. They need you now. They need your prayers now. So now let's go into our passage and we're going to draw three principles with regard to not just how to overcome adultery, but how to overcome any sin. So first of all, the first principle when we're confronted with sin, or better said, when we're confronted with temptation, What's the first principle? Well, let's read verses 15 and then 18 and 20. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Then verse 18. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why? Verse 20, why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? Now, I want to read to you a principle and then we're going to look back at the text. Then we're going to draw general principles from it. We do not overcome sin merely by fleeing from sin, but by running to and cultivating righteousness. Now, remember what I'm saying. Just listen carefully. When we see sin, we don't just say that's bad and reject it and stay where we are. But to walk in this world in holiness in righteousness, pleasing God, avoiding sin. When you look at sin, you flee from sin, 
but you flee to something. And that something is God and God's righteousness and practicing that righteousness. Now, I've said it another way. We overcome sin by fleeing from what God hasn't given us and prohibited for us and by running to and delighting in what God has given us. Now, in this text specifically, what is he talking about? He's talking about the relationship between a man and a woman. Now, let me say to you, young men, one day when you get married, what is the best way to protect yourself from the adulteress? A man avoids adultery, I've written here, by cultivating his relationship with his wife and children and finding his delight in them. How does a woman avoid adultery? By doing the same thing. By doing the same thing. By cultivating their relationship with their husband, cultivating their relationship with their children, and then finding delight in that relationship. You see, finding your, we could say this, finding your satisfaction there. So if you, if you have a marriage and a family where it's, it's just a struggle, just a burden, and maybe it's, it's a struggle and it's a burden because you haven't vest, invested anything in it. But when you're, when you're living in a context that's something of misery and someone from the outside comes and promises something better, that temptation can be quite strong. But if... You have a marriage that satisfies you and you have uh, children and family relationships that, that fill you and you, you delight in them. Then when someone comes from the outside with all kinds of great promises of satisfaction, but of course they're false promises, you, you'll more easily reject it. And so here's the general principle that I want you to see. We do not avoid sin simply by fighting against it and rejecting it, but by cultivating our relationship with God and the good things that he has given us. Now, I want to fix for just a moment on the word cultivating. Someone may say, you know, I don't have a good relationship with my wife. Well, let me ask you a question. How much time have you invested in that relationship? Someone may say, I don't have a good relationship with my children. Okay, how much time have you been working on it? How much investment have you given? A lot of people think, well, I have a terrible marriage because I just married wrong. Well, probably you didn't. Probably you, you're wanting to get something out of the marriage without putting anything into it. It's the same way with children. But it's also children, listen, the same way with your brothers and sisters. You say, my relationship with my brothers and sisters are horrible, so I'm going to go find some relationship outside of the family, which is fine, but sometimes those relationships can be quite sinful. My, my question is, how much time have you invested uh, in building a relationship with your brothers and your sisters? You see, another way of looking at it, the key is not just to simply reject and flee from immorality or sin, but to delight in and pursue righteousness. So a lot of times people think the Christian life is something like this. Okay, 
uh, reject sin, reject sin, reject sin, don't, 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 don't. Okay, but, but that's, that's not the Christian life. That, that's just one part. Reject in order, that's ne- there's something negative you need to do, but then there's something positive you need to do. So the negative, reject sin. The positive, go after righteousness, which is the will of God. So reject a sinful lifestyle in order to take up a lifestyle that's ordered by God and God's word. In some ways, it's like take off the filthy garment. okay, And put on a clean one. It's not just take off the filthy garment and then there you are without a garment. It's take it off in order to put something else on. Um, let, let, let me give you an example. So some of my friends one time, they said, you know, why don't you go to lunch more with all of us? And I said, because my wife is prettier than all of you. And he, they said, well, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, I have very limited time because of my responsibilities. If I'm going to go out to eat with someone, it's going to be my wife. And so you see what I'm saying? I'm saying no to them, but then I'm not just sitting there going hungry. I'm saying yes to her. One day when you marry, uh, not, you know, when the, the preacher says, do you take this woman or do you take this man? You're not only going to say yes, you're going to say no. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, um, when you say yes, or let me put it this way, I'll make it personal. When I said yes, I take this woman, her name Charo Casado, when, when I say yes, do you know what else I'm doing? I'm saying no to every other woman in the world. Okay, so I said no to them and yes to her. One day you'll do the same. You'll say yes to a certain man or a certain woman, but when you do that, you're saying no to every one else. And, and this is kind of the same principle. I don't just say no to a sinful lifestyle. That's destructive. But I say yes to a righteous lifestyle that uh, brings joy, uh, spiritual prosperity, and, and for the most part, all other kinds of prosperity, and then eternal life. Another way to look at it is this. When we are satisfied with what God has given us, we will not go looking elsewhere to find satisfaction. Now, here's a big thing that I want you to see. You say church is boring or I read my Bible. It's kind of boring. Or is the Christian life boring? Um, I've lived a long time. Uh, I've been. Bombings. Guns going off. Jungles. Uh, the Andes Mountains, the jungles of South America, Asia, been all over the world. I've had a pretty exciting life. My body's paid for it, but I've had a pretty exciting life. Um, none of that. All that's just boring. It really is comparing to knowing Christ. You said, but I don't feel that way. Well, first of all, you're not 61. Um, I've had a lot of years of walking with him. 
But there's something else that I want you to see that maybe is really hindering you in your relationship. And that is, how much time do you invest in knowing Christ? In knowing about him? You see, here's the thing. A lot of people think, especially young people, they think that, um, you know, Christianity is about principles and commandments and obedience. And that's part of it, but that's a small part of it. For me, it's this discovery of, of glory after glory after glory. You know, I would hear stories sometimes in the jungles about strange places and strange things. And I would, when I would get done preaching, I would always, you know, let's get in a boat or let's hack our way through the jungle. I want to go see this thing. Uh, you've probably all heard of Machu Picchu, uh, the famous Inca ruins. Well, there's another place that when years and years ago, it, it wasn't on the map, it's called Cuela. And it's, uh, it's astounding, but it really wasn't that well discovered to the public. Someone told me about it. So, you know, I took a long journey hiking up mountains and everything to find it because it was just so amazing. Well, it's nothing compared to Christ. And so, yeah, I want to know the commands and I want to know God's will and all that kind of stuff. It's very important. But I do that because of something else. This glorious, magnificent person of infinite uh, glory and power and beauty and he's got a new creation for us that goes beyond anything that you could even think or imagine you see and so are you cultivating your relationship with God because that's how you avoid sin that you get to know God and see that his beauty and his power and his goodness so much that everything else is like eating out of a trash can. Okay, well, let's go on. So when we are satisfied with what God has given us, we will not go looking elsewhere to find satisfaction. So with me, what has God given me? Well, he's given me a wife. Okay, now, if I'm satisfied in her, if I can delight in her, then anyone else that comes from the outside, it's just not an attraction. Now, let's say I didn't delight in my wife. Well, I still, as a Christian, need to fight against this temptation from the outside. I need to do the right thing. I need to honor God and honor his commands and honor my commitments. But it's so much easier to do that when a man has cultivated a relationship with the person God has given him. You see, God's given you that woman. When you marry one day, girls, God has given you that man. He did not give you the other men. And for you guys, the other women. Do you see? So I've written down here, finding satisfaction. And I've already said this, but we need to iterate it. Finding satisfaction requires cultivation. Okay, not only in our relationships with our family, but our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with righteousness. Now, I used a word cultivation. Okay, I was raised, you know, we raised cattle and quarter horses, but we also sometimes we planted things because you got you got to feed those animals. So we plant corn and other things, clover. Well, there's something about it. You have to cultivate it. So maybe you haven't lived on a ranch or a farm, but maybe you've seen a garden 
Well, you've got to not just plant, you've got to, uh, you've got to water, you've got to weed, and gradually you have something. Or with a fruit tree, for example, I remember we used to live in a place that had all these old fruit trees that, uh, or a few of them, that didn't produce anything. My wife got out there with a uh, uh, saw and uh, she chopped those things up so bad that I thought, oh my gosh, you've killed them all. Well, the next year they all had a lot of fruit on them. You see, you have to cultivate it. You can't just be dormant or passive. Uh, you've got to cultivate a relationship with God and cultivate a relationship with righteousness. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you find out what it is. And righteousness is defined by the character of Christ or the character of God revealed in Christ. And it's defined by his commandments, his teachings. So you start following them, practicing them. And what happens? They begin to be your friends because they guide you into a life, a real life. Okay. Now, I want to say something here that's really, really important, and that is you're either spiraling up or you're spiraling down. Now, what do I mean? In your Christian life, you're either going like this or you're going like this. Now, what's the difference? If you're just not doing anything, you're not cultivating a relationship with God. Well, let's include family. You're not, you're not cultivating a relationship with God, with your spouse, with your children, or with your brothers and sisters, then that relationship's just not going to go anywhere. As a matter of fact, not only is it not going to go anywhere, it's going to start going down. The more you neglect relationships, the worse and worse they get. But the more you invest in a relationship, the more you invest the better they get, the higher they go. Now, I remember one time I was talking to this young guy and uh, he was a weightlifter and, and I still lift weights some and he goes, hey, you know, old man, how's it going? And I said, well, right now I'm just kind of maintaining. And he goes, there's no such thing. And he laughed. And that's true. In athletics, there's really no such thing as maintaining. You're either going up or you're going down. You're getting stronger, you're getting weaker. Now, I'm 61, so even though I work really hard, I'm still getting weaker. Uh, but, but you see what I mean? You have to invest. If, if, if you're sad one day and I ask you, why are you so sad? And you say, well, I'm not making any money. And I said, well, what are you working at? Nothing. Well, what do you expect? You've got to invest, whether it's money or labor or whatever in order to get something back. It's the same way with our relationships. Now, I, uh, I want us to take a look at uh, two texts and, and um, you can write them down. First is 1 Timothy 6.11. Look what it says. But flee from these things. What are these things? Well, later on in verse earlier in verse nine, he defines them as foolish and harmful desires. OK, things that God didn't give you that you're not supposed to have. He says, but flee from these things, you man of God. But that's also a woman of God, child of God. Flee from these foolish and harmful desires. Oh, is that it? OK, no, that's not it. 
and pursue. The word here, chase after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. I want to tell you something. You know, grandmothers used to say, you know, and, you know, uh, being idle is the devil's workshop. If you're not doing anything, you're going to end up doing something wrong. Well, again, it's not just sitting there not doing evil. But what is it? It's actively pursuing God and God's will. It's not just sitting there hoping to have a better relationship with someone, but it's pursuing a better relationship. Now, he says this again in 2 Timothy 2.22. Listen what he says. Now flee from youthful lusts. What does that mean? That there are lusts out there that are young? No. What it means is there are particular temptations that seem to latch a hold of young people. And you need to run from them. You need to run from them. Now, um, he says, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And what he's saying is, is that people who truly know the Lord, they're going to run from youthful lust and they're going to pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. That's what they're going to do if they truly know the Lord. But the idea also can be that you don't just do this by yourself. You do this with others. You know, one of the benefits I have of working at HeartCry is that I am surrounded by godly men and women who are pursuing these things. So I watch them pursuing it. It makes me want to pursue it even more. Do you see that? And that's why you need to get around people who are more mature than you, more Christ-like than you, and you need to learn from them. Don't get around people who are, are less well, I mean, you can serve them, but don't make them your example. Now, what I'm going to do is because the time is short here and I want to really teach you some some very important principles that uh, we're going to we're going to stop right now and we're going to return to these two texts. First, Timothy six eleven, second, Timothy two twenty two. But then we're also going to look at James chapter one. And you're going to see that all that we've been talking about in this lesson has some real practical application. All right? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And I pray, dear God, please, please convert those who hear, work in them so that they will progress in the faith so that they will know your love and rejoice in it, and so that one day they will stand before you and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. In Jesus' name.